0: It's been a while, but we finally have our first shipment of quack into Hamsterdam. How's it feel to be back, Sean?
1: It feels amazing the uh, it, it's been a we've had a brief hiatus here, but it's finally game week for football again. it's yeah. uh, it's Alamo Bowl game week.
0: yeah, and it's not like anyone would have listened like last week when it was Christmas. Yeah. Unless you've really
1: just wanted to get away from your family. You know, we, we could have supplied a, a getaway from that, but it the, the quack would have been weak. We had to save it.
0: Yeah. It was like no basketball either. There was like a game December 21st and stuff, but figured we'd just save it for the last podcast of the college football season. So, do you just want to jump right into that?
1: Let's dive right into it.
0: Alright, so, Oregon is playing TCU in the uh, Alamo Bowl. This is the same bowl game that Oregon traveled to when uh, we beat Texas on Mac Brown's last game as head coach in uh, a contest that was the blowout that just wouldn't happen. I distinctly remember that game, like, watching the two teams play at one time being, it's only 21-3, to because mm-hmm. those teams were miles apart. Yeah. So, what's different about uh, this upcoming game is, this is not necessarily, like, a disappointing year. I mean, this isn't a lackluster TCU team. Uh, the real theme going into this is what could have been. Um, Oregon obviously lost Vernon Adams with no real backup quarterbacks uh, and dropped a couple games, although the Utah one was going to happen regardless.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think that's kind of the, the theme of, and I think that'll kind of be what makes this game so intriguing is, you know, it's a matchup of two teams of like, what could have been for both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, you look at, you look at Oregon's losses and it's like, yeah, they, the Utah loss was going to happen no matter what. That was just, that was bad. That was a blowout. But, you know, Michigan State obviously could have gone either way. Washington State could have gone Mm -hmm. either way. And so if you replace, you know, replace those, just swing those two losses the other way and suddenly you've got a one-loss team and, you know, maybe they go to the playoff. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they at least go to the Rose Bowl. But instead they're, you know, they're going to the Alamo Bowl instead. But it's I think it's different than the last time the Ducks were in the Alamo Bowl. I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember that game and it was just like every I think everyone was just kind of pretending to try and get excited about it. When it just it really, because that was what the first year since like 2008 that we weren't in a then BCS bowl game. Uh huh. Um, but I think this year is a little bit. I I think it's going to be a much better matchup against TCU. Um, and I, I, you know, TCU obviously is. That's another case of like. Oh, what you know? What could have been with TCU because they were they were on the track towards the playoff before things kind of derailed for themselves too. So, mm-hmm. so it'll be kind of an interesting matchup of who's going to kind of quote unquote salvage the season and end on a high note.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is really the most compelling non like big bowl game like Fiesta Bowl like those are always the ones that people look at as being like the prime games yeah but it's gonna be way more exciting than Stanford Iowa like I would... really, the only reason I'm really gonna watch that game well A it's college football B uh, it's the Rose Bowl which is like yeah.
1: the most fun game to watch it's like you're, you're an American you watch the Rose Bowl that's what you do
0: yeah like Army Navy and Rose Bowl. Like those are the few games you have to watch.
1: Yeah, I think this'll be the probably the most exciting, most entertaining game outside of the the playoff. Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah, I'm psyched.
0: So um I did some writing yesterday looking at uh the quarterback matchups um both teams have great quarterbacks coming in Vernon Adams who really uh who really is one of those guys now where people will just love him because of what could have been like Dennis Dixon Mm -hmm. or like Colt McCoy at Texas when he got hurt and then they've just kind of spiraled since then
1: yeah
0: um Stuff like that Like everyone's just gonna Like love him forever Uh Yeah Meanwhile Darren Thomas can't get a fair shake To save his life Um And Trevon Trevon Boykin Oh my god I'm so sorry To any TCU fan That's listening right now He sat out a couple games Although Kind of precautionary Um mm-hmm. He threw 65% 9 yards mm-hmm. in attempt 31 touchdowns 10 interceptions um, but he also ran for 612 yards on 123 carries, nine touchdowns,
1: which is a lot. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. Kind of one of those. He's one of those dual threat guys. He had. I mean, I'm looking back at at some of their games. He. I mean, as he. Th- he puts up a lot of big numbers. I mean, I'm just looking at, uh, so when they lost to Oklahoma state, he, he threw the ball almost 60 times, uh, 445 yards, but that was a bad day for him. One touchdown and four picks. But aside from that, and I mean, you got against Texas, he threw for 332 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Texas Tech, 485 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. He's, um, he's something, yeah, he's a very talented quarterback. Um, but I was just looking at the TCU football homepage, Mm. and they are going to be, uh, they're going to be without. Josh Jackson, who's one of their top receivers. That was huge when I saw that come across. Yeah, so that's... I mean, that could be an X factor. He had, he had 1,327 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns this year. Um, Just heads and tails above everybody else. Yeah, it's... He had... Before he so from the i'm looking at his stats from the year from september 19th against smu until until the oklahoma state game on november 7th he had just touchdown reception wise he went two touchdowns three touchdowns two 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 so he went on this string of games where he was catching two to three touchdowns every single time he went out there
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know Texas Tech, he had two hundred and sixty seven receiving yards. He had almost two hundred against Iowa State and West Virginia. Like that's a huge blow. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's just like it's also huge because
0: of the people below him. Mm-hmm. Like uh Colby Listen B, uh Kevonte Turpin, like they have like really long touchdown. That's one of the things that stands out is Gamonte is just like a burner. He's like 5'9" 165 on their roster, which means he really weighs like 150. Uh kind of like Charles Nelson. Like Charles Nelson's lifted up like 170 or something. I mean, it really yeah like
1: 155. It's like it's like here's how much she would weigh if we uh if we packed you up for to go hiking on next <laughs> Everest expedition. And that's that's going to be your media guide weight, right?
0: Um, yeah, that's huge because Arian Springs was probably going to have his hands full with Josh Dachson, but now mm-hmm. everybody, I think, every matchup is manageable now.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that's the thing. I mean, when I just kind of look at the surface of this TCU team, um, you know, rushing game, receiving game. You've got the very you've got the very clear go to guys. You've got Aaron Green on the ground who ran for over a thousand yards. And you have Josh Doxson, who had twice as many yards as the next guy behind him. And so when there's that you know when you're missing a guy in the receiving core, I mean that totally changes the game. And it'll be interesting to see kind of who steps up or if they're you know game plan changes a little bit he's been he missed the last he didn't play the last couple of games of the regular season and i'm really curious to see i think they lost to oklahoma about like one point yeah and i would have been really curious to see if had he been in that game if they would have won you know where would they be instead with at a one loss team
0: yeah you know it's uh you know it's funny about that game they went for two at the very end with like 50 seconds left. Mhm. That was I remember they did that. They went out for two and I was like I love it when teams do
1: this. They're just going for the win.
0: Yeah. Just it's we're going to figure this out right now. Bold strategy, cowboy. I love it. I love it. Especially cuz they were on the road too, so it's like
1: Yeah, I really I really do enjoy it when coaches are just like, "No, we're we're not going to overtime." We're either gonna we're gonna end this right now. We're either gonna win or we're gonna lose, and that's one of those things where like those those situations, you people think you're an idiot if it doesn't work, but people think you're a genius if it does work.
0: Yeah, the story of uh, Scott Frost play
1: calling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Scott Frost play calling in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, man, that guy just we just love hating on our coordinators as a fan base. I've,
1: I'm like, I can't remember, I'm, you know, just looking back at all the coordinators with everyone ripping into Scott Frost and his play calling him all the times that we chanted, you know, fire Aliotti from the student section and, you know, the third and Pelham situations. And, oh man, we just, we need a coordinator we can love, <laughs> but that's just, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be right.
0: Yeah, nobody on offense is going to get uh, the benefit of the doubt after Chip Kelly. Yeah, nobody on defense is going to get the benefit of the doubt after one year of Nickell <laughs> Yote like, having an
1: exceptional <laughs> defense. Oh man, what was that? Was like, how was that like 2012 when the defense was just like the star of the team that year? Yeah, they had shut out Arizona, and oh, that was a good team.
0: Yeah, it was, uh... Yeah, yeah. Ignore the fact that, like, our defense is entirely three-star athletes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Going up against, like, guys with five-star and four-star guys on offense. Mm Mm-hmm. But, whatever. Kermit sipping tea. Uh... But I think – oh, here's the thing. Here's the note I had written down for TCU. They were just decimated by injuries on defense. Mm -hmm. Like going into the year, that's one of the things I thought was most impressive was how many returning starters they had back on defense. But they just got rocked. Like the Texas Tech game, um, I remember watching this game uh, like at Autzen and how close it was. They had a. uh, The game winning play was Trevon Boykin throwing it to receiver across the middle in the end zone, like at the very front of the end zone. Mm -hmm. It being played very well by uh, the Red Raider defense gets tipped up, and a TCU receiver makes an amazing catch in the back of the end zone. Like, just barely got his. It got a foot in. It was it was amazing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in that game, which they won fifty five to fifty two. Granted, Texas Tech's offense is like its thing. Like they're they're probably going to score points regardless, but TC was down like I think six or seven starters that game on defense. Like all their like their linebackers were having to go deep on their roster hmm So I think that's why we had the Texas Tech fifty-two points scored. Kansas Skate Kansas State scored forty-five. That that's why those games are pretty lopsided. And then against right. Kansas, they were down Trevon Boykin and they just could not put together a win at all. Or they they did win, but it's Kansas. Like that was bad. Yeah. Or,
1: are you are you seeing this game? Are you seeing this game? Is it going to be a shootout in your mind, or is it going to be something else?
0: I doubt it's going to be a shootout, just because there's such a long layoff. Mm-hmm. It's like it's with a lot of these teams where they have like two amazing offenses coming in, and then mm-hmm. nobody scores points, like the uh, national championship game against Auburn when both teams were scoring, like, 40 points a game.
1: Right, and And it just turned into a
0: stalemate. Yeah, and then there was, like, 35 points total scored. Granted, Nick Fairley was just like, oh, God, I have nightmares of him just tackling the running back and quarterback in the backfield at the same time.
1: Yeah, and those, I mean, those types of games are, I think, you know, like, that national title game, the the Stanford loss from 2012 I think like those just like low scoring games where you know neither t- neither team is breaking 20 it's just so I think it's so frustrating to watch as like a fan base of a team that we're so used to just seeing us put up points from team
0: yeah
1: and even if like the defense is playing great it's still just so frustrating because like you think you're going to score so easily but it's just not going to happen
0: right but, so. but Sean, it's not that they're playing great defense. It's that Scott Frost is
1: calling the wrong <laughs> plays. If he could just call the right plays, I mean, damn those fades to the end zone. It's not
0: that hard. I play Madden all the time. It's <laughs> not that hard.
1: Oh, man. I, I really like to think that that's how easy play calling is in college football. You, like, you just sit up there in the coach's box with your PS4 controller and shuffle, sh- shuffle through the plays. Yeah. But exactly. I, I want to see, I want to see a game, uh, where the two teams have to use the playbook from NFL blitz.
0: Oh yeah. For there's like just 20 routes going on. At the same time. <laughs> Yeah. Just, just two linemen and just 30 receivers running around
1: pandemonium and chaos. And on third and long, every play you have to run the bomb. Yeah. <laughs>
0: How did that game ever get made?
1: I I watched uh, or I read an article on it that was like really interesting and if you have time you should look it up. It's it's essentially like asking that question like who wrote did, it? Um Or what website? Let me look it up real quick cuz it's this amazing um How did NFL Blitz ever get
0: made because now especially with the concussion stuff is it vice sports
1: yeah it was vice sports it says how the hell did nfl blitz ever get made um and it goes into this like it's a really it's a pretty long story but it it goes into like the whole um production of the game and they you know they had to get the nfl to like sign off on it and license it
0: as always yeah
1: yeah and they they had a meeting with the NFL and they showed them the scenes from the game and the NFL was just like, absolutely not. We are wiping our hands clean of this game. Um, but then they gave permission. They, I think what they did is they like, they toned, like it was supposed to be even more violent initially. Oh God. (laughs) Um, so yeah. So the, uh, I guess what what happened is uh, when they were originally making the game, like there would be a very long period where it would just turn into like a massive one way brawl, um, and they cut it down to like three seconds or something. So they essentially like made the time frame in which you could unleash on your opponent like they made it a little bit shorter. Oh yeah, um, and I I forget what. I forget, like, how how they got it, like, signed off in the end. Because, obviously, like, it's real NFL teams with real NFL players. Um, but I think that was the takeaway of it. I think they just kind of, like, honed it down a little bit, but not yeah. by much.
0: Which means the NFL Players Association gave the okay, too.
1: Mm-hmm. That's uh, so weird.
0: <laughs> that never gets me. That's, like, they would show that today, and they'd just be like, "GTF, like, yeah. just get the
1: fuck out. Oh, of here. here's... Um, here's how it happened uh they said they wanted uh the league wanted them to send a video of all the motion captured moves before launch and rather than sending a gameplay video uh they sent all the animations as depicted in an editor tool which only shows the outline of a motion capture figure moving against a dark dimensionless background so without any context the -the over-the-top hits and tackles were neutered it says the NFL either didn't have a problem with it or never saw or watched the tape because they never said anything again. And oh yeah, then,
0: and that's the NFL's fault for not being like, actually, we need to see this whole thing because the NFL easily could have been like, no, send us everything. Yeah, or this doesn't get made, and they obviously didn't.
1: Yeah, one one more uh, NFL tangent here. Uh, I if you haven't seen Concussion yet, you should go see it. It's a phenomenal movie. Probably one of Will Smith's best roles ever. And... He
0: has a deep accent.
1: Yeah. Because he plays, like, a a doctor from Nigeria or something, I think. Yeah, Dr. Omalu. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the actors in it are fantastic. Uh, Alec Baldwin is in it. He's awesome.
0: Eric (laughs) Badrick.
1: And... You know, I, I did the most American thing possible. I, this weekend, I went to go see a concussion on Saturday night, and then Sunday oh, so afternoon Sunday. Nice. Sunday <laughs> afternoon, I spent my money and went to an NFL football game and oh. cheered bone-crushing hits. and:
0: Was it weird watching uh, football after seeing concussion?
1: Dude, it actually totally changed the way I watched that game. Because, like, every time there was, like, a helmet-to-helmet hit, I was just thinking about, like, everything they talked about in the movie. Yeah. Um, so it was. It, I, I didn't think it would, like, impact my view of the NFL, and I think, like, long-term it probably won't. I mean, football is football.
0: Yeah, in a few weeks you'll forget.
1: Yeah, exactly. But if you, like, if you watch Concussion and then you, like, immediately go watch live football, it, it kind of makes you think a it yeah
0: like, I've been following all that stuff like I read uh, I was always pretty aware like I followed the legal case and everything behind it and just like with my own experiences with like concussions and everything like I'm just like so interested in all this research and everything Red League of Denial two years ago when that came out and the documentary on Netflix which I think is way better than probably the movie will be <clears throat> than the movie is um fun fact though i have a friend who works with not o'malu's concussion group but the other one the one in boston oh yeah yeah so for those who don't know there was like another group o'malu was like the first guy to discover it and then there was a second group started by like an nfl player i forget the name of it um and then they got like the the other group got the backing for from the NFL to do like a lot of the research and then suggested that people send their their brains to the group in Boston. Um so ever since then the group in Boston has kind of been like the preeminent faction leading the concussion charge and O'Malley's kind of been like placed off to the side. So the history behind those two groups is actually fascinating. Mm-hmm. But my friend had a lot of critical things to say about Omotlu and his, like, newer research. So it's kind of weird hearing, like, him, like, the long-term hero of the story. Right. So, but yeah. It's been that whole thing where the NFL for years was like, no, this isn't a problem. And, yeah, yeah. So I highly recommend you actually watch League of Denial on Netflix. But there was a part two where there's like all these unprecedented moves in like the medical field where the NFL pressured like scientific journals to pull uh, and retract uh, the research about concussions and football players, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is like unheard of unless someone is just blatantly lying. Uh, And so basically the NFL – bullied everybody into discrediting omalu
1: yeah and that was essentially like the that was kind of the big plot line in the movie was you know the the nfl was gonna you know they were pressuring him they had he had to you know they were they wanted to discredit his work they wanted him to say he made it all up and um and it you know i think if i mean if it really is if it's like as accurate as as possible as it was in the movie, I, I think that um, Amalu's big edge was like he was just this doctor who like he didn't know anything about football. He didn't. Yeah, uh, he, he didn't did know, what the, know. He didn't know what the NFL was, um, and so I think like not knowing what he went up against was probably a big advantage for him. The other, the last comment I'll make about the movie is guess. It, maybe you already know but guess who they got to play roger goodell
0: oh i already know but keep going luke
1: wilson yeah i was just like what like you guys could have tried a little bit harder
0: baldwin should have
1: been goodell yeah like they got it like they got a guy to play paul Tagliabue for like the one scene he's in it was like all right he kind of looks like the guy It's like Luke Wilson and Roger Goodell don't even look... Like, there's nothing even remotely close about that.
0: Maybe it's a backhanded joke. Like, you're a comedian. Like, we don't take you seriously.
1: (laughs) I really hope so.
0: Yeah. I don't think I'll watch the movie. I think I'll see it when it's on, like, Netflix or something. Yeah. So... Tell the truth. That's one of the things that... Tell always the do. truth! Yeah. That's one of the things that always stands out to me. So, alright, back to the album Bowl after one of our very rare <laughs> tangents.
1: It's not, it's not sling and quack without a tangent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, the, a couple of things that I think is promising. Well, A, uh, Boygan's like, running thread is absolutely terrifying. Um, remember when Vernon Adams went down and we were just like, maybe we should just switch Braylon Addison to quarterback, right? Boykin is like, if we had actually done that in an off season, cause Boykin switched switch from wide receiver to quarterback. He's probably going to be a wide receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made the move killing it. Like he has a lead athleticism. He actually looks a lot like Brio and Addison when he's playing. Yeah. Um, and they both were number two. So, the the threat of his running ability is what scares me the most. So, what are the things that you hear uh, from, like, other Pac-12 coaches that remain anonymous and they uh, tell these things, uh, like college sports writers and everything is how much teams had a game plan for Marcus Mariota's running
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and how they don't have that this year so it makes it a lot easier to game plan and Oregon is definitely going to have those same problems preparing for Boykin Yeah, like you you can't have like defensive ends get high like when they're rushing uh, the passer because that leaves a lot of uh, like huge holes where Boykin can escape out. Like, it's, it's like when you, uh it was like uh Mississippi State when they played Auburn in 2010. Like, one of the reasons they did so well is that they didn't let the defensive ends get high. They didn't shoot their D ends high, and so mm-hmm. there was really nowhere for Cam Newton to go to. Like, you may have, like, a half second more time but he's not going to be able to in the place like 5 seconds or use his running um to get point or to get yards <laughs> so that's one thing that's terrifying and i think the Horned frogs being short their best receiver is going to be huge um what's most promising to me i think is i there isn't one guy on the defensive line, who is just an absolute destroyer of worlds.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Because that's the one thing if there's just, like, an absolute stud, like, in the front seven. Um, Like, that was really what happened, like, the Stanford years, the Stanford losses. I think you had fantastic front sevens. I don't think TCU has a fantastic front seven. There was, like, Nick Fairley or there was Joey Bosa um, on Ohio State's team. Mm -hmm. And TCU just doesn't have that. So I think that's a huge, a huge plus for our running attack.
1: Yeah, Roy, um, God, Royce Freeman just quietly having one of the biggest seasons on the ground. He has 1,700 yards, and we're not even into the bowl game yet. That's ridiculous. How
0: many touchdowns does he
1: have? 14.
0: Oh, so he's not going to break Michael James' record.
1: Um, What's the... I think think he only needs, like, 99 yards to get the single-season rushing record.
0: I feel like he should be able to get
1: that. Yeah. He had... There was two games this year where he ran for less than 100 yards. One of them was Michigan Utah State. when he had 14 carries on 70, for 77 yards, and the other mm. was Michigan State where he had 24 carries for 92 yards. Yeah. Every other game, 180, 101, 163, 246, 138, 110, 180. Like, good Lord, man. Yeah, he's 19. And we get, you know... <laughs> We get two more years of this guy. I think one. You think he'll go to the NFL early?
0: I think he should. Unless he's going to be like a third rounder.
1: Yeah. because it's, it's that whole shelf life thing.
0: Yeah, running backs careers are... Yeah, they only have like a certain number of carries. And they should not burn those in college unless they have to. Mm-hmm. So, I think we'll yeah. see a GoPro i i at least if he isn't a first or second round, maybe even a third round if he's not graded second or third because running backs just don't go in the first round anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: if he is a second or third round player, like for sure, like a top five six running back, which i think is doable, then I think he should go pro
1: yeah, I think he'll have to. You know he'll obviously have to like kind of replicate the season as much as he can next year to to get up into that kind of second round projection but um and he's got to be a much better receiver hmm yeah this we, uh, saw,
0: we saw real moments like in the USc game he motioned out wide and just shook a trojan in the second uh just shook a trojan for like a 30 yard fade route yeah. So, I think think you should go pro.
1: Yeah, I think uh I think he'll uh he'll be the uh kind of X factor in this this Alamo Bowl. Yeah, I'm so I excited think-
0: to see Darren Carrington too. Again, <laughs> he's
1: always open. I don't know. I don't know
0: how he gets open all the time. Yeah. It's just, and there's just I don't understand he's always open
1: I think we just like titled a quack fix one day like Darren Carrington is still open yeah I, don't, um, I just don't understand how he's always open yeah and it'll be if you haven't seen it there's a pretty cool thing uh, Darren Carrington is gonna change his number for the Alamo Bowl to uh, to honor a his late friend I think from high school uh, i think he's gonna wear number 20 yeah he's gonna wear number 22 um to honor let's see um, i think his
0: best high school friend
1: yeah it's markel bird um was killed in a single car accident while driving home for for break he was 20 when he died uh So he's going to wear his, uh, the number 22 to honor him. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's kind of like that one year where, um, all the Oregon players, uh, cycled through, um, Doxie, Doxie's number
0: 29. Yeah, it was 29. Mm -hmm. That was in 2007
1: or eight. I think it was 2008. I think it was 2008. Um, yeah, because he, because he died in the summer of two thousand eight. Right. So I think it was that following season they did it.
0: So is there anything we haven't touched on yet on this game? Um, I think we've we've covered it all
1: as we had a far huge as the like, Bowl goes. Yeah, we had a huge spot in between <laughs> where we got off track we we i mean we at least kept it football related but we we did a little n f l blitz slash concussion tangent yeah
0: all right basketball basketball um oregon lost to u n l v on december fourth eighty to sixty nine um they or we i say we losing uh gave up some big runs to UNLV, so there were times where we were like down fifteen, almost twenty points, and then yeah. that was it. Was really an insurmountable lead at that point to try and claw back. Like
1: we right. got back within
0: a couple points, and then
1: totally it got was the kind ball. of it was kind of one of those things where um, you know, like Oregon kind of surged back into it and then just ran out of gas at the end. Um. Yeah, that was a that was a tough game. Um, was that was that the fir- that was our first loss of the season? That was our right? first loss. Yeah, um, which like you know there's it, it. always seems like there's a couple non-conference games that they drop, um, but I you know the obviously like the big uh, the big thing from. From that one was when, uh, was it, wasn't it, it was Tyler Dorsey who went down, right? With like that injury that looked way worse than it actually turned out to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay. I remember getting a text from my friend. He's like, well, season's over. Yeah. And then he like came back in all Paul Pierce like, and then Oregon went on a run. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Pierce, that's yeah, the still so funny.
1: Um. but I think isn't Dylan Ennis joining the team soon? Yes isn't he supposed to play?
0: Yeah he should be back soon.
1: Yeah I think he's like back for like he'll be good to go for like Pac-12 play so I think that'll um, hopefully that kind of makes a makes an impact but yeah so scheduling wise we've got let's see Tonight, Tuesday. Tuesday, December twenty ninth, a six PM matchup against Western Oregon.
0: Nice. It's gonna be
1: competitive. Can uh can tune into that one on Pac Twelve Networks and mm-hmm. then Sunday we kick off conference play with the uh I like how we kick off conference play every year with the Civil War. That just that seems right.
0: <laughs> Do we is it really every year?
1: It's every year. I, I, Interesting. I'd i have to go back to see like when the last time we didn't open against Oregon State was. And it's always like, you know, kind of first weekend of the new year or first few days of the new year. So, so, so Yeah, we'll do. Keep going, sorry. Uh, so first, first few games, we've got Oregon State at Corvallis and then Cal and Stanford and Eugene, and then we have to do the uh, the mountain trip to um, Utah and Colorado. Fantastic.
0: Uh, good news. Jordan Bell is back. Love That's him. Big. Blocking the, machine. The young T-Rob from the Blazers a year ago. Who's no longer with the Blazers, but at the same time they were both just blocking the hell out of everything. So,
1: yeah, Jordan Bell has—he's made some of the more emphatic blocks I've ever seen before.
0: Dylan Brooks has so far been the leading scorer. He's played a ton of minutes too. Him and Elden Cook have been playing a ton. Um,
1: yeah. Brooks, I'm just like looking over the stat sheet. Brooks is averaging almost 34 minutes a game, 16 and a half points. Cook's up there, too, 31 minutes a game.
0: Yeah. One of the guys who really stands out to me, um, especially when Oregon's making runs and everything, is Dwayne Benjamin. Yeah. I'm surprised his stats... Don't match what I'm watching because he's like plays under the rim, but yet he hits a ton of threes. I feel like
1: yeah, he's a he's like a three point machine.
0: Yeah, yeah, he um, has 19 three pointers. Tyler Dorsey is only above him with
1: 22. You know what the uh, you know what the return of Pac-12 basketball means? It means that we get Bill Walton back. Yes, who just. Dwayne Benjamin pops out for the three. Snoop Dogg. Oh, that's right. And he's just like, I remember on a broadcast once, he was like having to explain himself. He was like, doesn't he look like Snoop Dogg? Of course. It's like, oh, Bill Walton, you are America's true treasure.
0: So my friend was at a Grateful Dead concert. And he stood next to Bill Walton.
1: Bill Walton is the... I at a concert that you do not want to be behind. Exactly. Like
0: I, I, I know there's like, when I'm like five ten, and whenever there's someone that's like six foot or taller, I'm just like, oh man, this is
1: problematic. Yeah, I took and a. Bill Walton just so I took a picture taller. with. I took a picture of Bill Walton once, and there's not many pictures that exist in this world where I look short because I'm six foot four. Oh yeah. But like standing next to him because he's, what, 6'10", at least. Um, And he's even gotten a little shorter
0: because of his back surgeries and everything, I
1: think. Yeah, it's a very bizarre feeling to, like, stand next to someone when you're 6'4 and feel incredibly short. Oh, man. I took
0: a photo with him, and it was, like, I look at it, and I'm just like, oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you are a tall man.
0: Yeah, and he had said he was, like... "He, He will just someone asks him a question and he'll spend like three minutes actually answering it (laughs) yeah. and then 27 minutes just doing whatever he wants. or doing whatever else he wants to talk about. And it all flows. It all flows like in a, in a very logical way. It's Mm -hmm. like there's this, Oh yeah. And then this is a fun fact about that. And then this also gives context. And then the story behind that part is, but then 30 minutes later he's talking about like, someone asked him about what it was like to, like, move from the Blazers to the Clippers, and he's now talking about uh, how he picked, like, a greatest hits album out for the Grateful Dead. It's like, how did we get here? (laughs) Um, he was, I saw him, he was doing, like, a Pac-12 tour with the Pac-12, he was doing, like, a tour with the Pac-12 network, Mm -hmm. where they would, he would, like, call a basketball game, like, do a meet and greet the next day at the school, and then travel by bus to the next one, mm-hmm. and, like, the Pac-12, like, handlers or whatever were, like, it was scheduled to go an hour and a half. It went two and a half hours.
1: <laughs> Jesus.
0: And at the hour, at the like the hour mark, they're like, all right, we got like thirty minutes left, and then at, like an hour thirty, they were like, we need to wrap up.
1: Mm-hmm. Bill
0: Walton does what he wants. <laughs> like he did not care at all about what these people had to say. He just he just loves answering people's questions. Like he gets a lot of hate sometimes for like his quote unquote shtick or whatever. He's like one of the nicest guys of all time. Like answered like everybody's questions.
1: Mm. He's great. He just likes people. Yeah, it'll be... uh, That's the thing I'm looking forward to most about Pac-12 basketball being back is the return of Bill Walton.
0: Asking people if
1: they've ever been to a volcano. Yeah. He's like, the the Valley of Fire, the land of volcanic eruptions. It's like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the only place. Oh, man. What, yeah, one of my friends says the most amazing Bill Walton impressions. A literal cathedral of basketball.
1: <laughs>
0: that's one of my favorites. A literal cathedral. So great. I love everything about Bill Walton. Uh, that's good stuff. It's not even like, see, people are like, oh, I hate watching it. It's like, I will, I will turn on games that I don't even care about.
1: Right, just to listen, to Bill, listen to Bill Walton. Listen to
0: Bill Walton. I I may just have it as background noise and just hear Bruce mm-hmm. Walton talk about nothing to do with the game. Yeah, that I, have you been to a volcano line with was, was peak Bill Walton.
1: Yeah. I'll um I'll need to uh I'll need to make um I'll need to put this out on Twitter again, but there's uh you can play uh you can play uh, Bill Walton bingo during games oh wow yeah Uh, there's stuff such as uh, throw it down big man Uh, any grateful dead lyrics Uh, (laughs) this is a good one quote it's Dave right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, John Wooden good time in Boulder Shane Battier. Are you old enough to remember? National Parks? Uh, it's a treasure.
0: That's so funny. That's so funny. I should do that for uh for uh HBO boxing broadcasts mm-hmm. since that's one of my things is uh like uh uh one of the things is Max Kellerman always compares somebody to a Pernell Whitaker, oh, who's like a f- famous fighter, mm-hmm. but like kind of obscure for any like kind of casual boxing or sports fan. And you know, was like, he's he's like Pernell Whitaker, like everybody has some facet of his game that's like Pernell Whitaker. That would be like the free space. Mm-hmm. So like Bill Walden doing... I feel like all those bingos, it's just all that matters is the order in which it comes. Like All of those are going to hit at some point throughout the game. And if he talks about going to a Grateful Dead concert, you just finish your drink right there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, the stories. All
0: right. Uh, Any closing comments?
1: Uh, No closing comments. It's football is going to come to a Come to a graceful end this weekend, and, and we'll uh, sit back and enjoy the playoff and wait for next fall again, but um, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about the Alamo Bowl. Um, I think it'll be close, but I think we'll come out on top, and it's going to be a good game. Yeah.
0: Oh, I also uh, told uh, some friends who don't always watch Oregon football, and a couple of my uh, family members who had never seen this. But our ball boy who has the big hair and everything, I forget his name. I'm tr- I'm, I don't. I forget his name
1: off the top of my head. He's the ball oh. boy
0: with big hair, and he's got the
1: blonde uh, badge on it. I'm blanking on his real name, but he's fondly known as Chocolate Thunder, I think. Chocolate Thunder? Or is it, let's see, Oregon... Oh, boy. Because I remember the... Kwame Mitchell. Kwame Mitchell, that's right. Because
0: ESPN did an article about (laughs) it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was like his peak popularity. Yeah, Uh,
0: and uh, in October, he dyed his hair pink.
1: Oh, I remember that.
0: Yeah. I don't think we can post this photo on SB Nation because we don't have the rights to it. Uh. But there's a photo of him. Oh, I love this photo. It's one of my favorites. one of my favorite photos of all time. It's uh, against Michigan State in uh, twenty. Oh, this is last year. Michigan State last year. Um, and it's Royce Freeman on. I think it's one of his touchdown runs. Mm-hmm. Is just like flying down the sidelines. It would think it was like the fourth and goal or whatever that finished, or the fourth and like. from like R30 that kind of Mm -hmm. iced the game and you see Royce Freeman just like barreling down the sideline and every duck is just like celebrating on the side on the sideline and everything and Scott Frost has his hand in the air and then right behind Royce Freeman is Kwame Mitchell and he is sprinting and the angle of his body and like uh just, like, you can tell just by his stride at that point that he is flying down the field, too. hmm He's, like, there's times where a player, like, a big play, and you can see Kwame Mitchell following the ball through the air, like, the entire time, like, Forrest Gump. And as soon as, like, the play ends, he is handing the ref the ball already.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, the play ends, the Like, the guy hasn't even gotten up yet, and Kwame Mitchell just has the ball in front of the ref. Yeah. Like, in his gut. Like, he's doing a handoff. It's fantastic.
1: I love it. it. And it's, like, very, like, it's very, he does his job, you know, it's very, like, kind of that unsung hero type of thing. But he's actually a big part of the offense. Like, if he doesn't move and he doesn't get that ball, like, the offense doesn't roll as quickly. Right. So it's a whole rhythm thing, so. And he is so good at it. Right,
0: and you can tell because every like you never like see him.
1: <laughs> you like, never see unquote, him, but he's always him, there. Yeah,
0: you never see him. Quote unquote working. Yeah, like he's there at the beginning of every play, uh, like next to the ref, and then he just magically appears next to the ref on the next <laughs> play, and it's just like a yeah. lightning bolt. <laughs> it's just like it
1: reminds teleports. me. Uh, it reminds me. Have you ever seen uh, Have you ever seen Mr. Deeds? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, and, like, yes. The servant like, the servant or whatever, he's like, I'm very, very sneaky, sir.
0: <laughs> unfortunately, I have seen that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Kwame Mitchell's the best. He is so good. He's so funny.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'll send you the link, and maybe we can just hyperlink to it. Because I know we can't. Yeah. We can't post it on SB Nation. Um, yeah, that photo's so good though. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so if the camera's pointing to the Oregon sideline, you, you will for see sh- you will for for sure see him at work. And it's it's fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's fantastic. Oh, I see a uh mashup of Wiz Khalifa next to Kwame Mitchell when Wiz Khalifa had part of his hair Like dyed blonde or whatever. Nice. So, I mean, it would be really easy to catch Kwame because he has the huge hair. Mm -hmm. That's multicolored. It's fantastic. I actually don't even watch the game. Just watch Kwame. Just watch Kwame. Just watch Kwame. All right. uh, That'll do it for us. We got a lot of basketball the rest of the way after this weekend. Yeah. Um,. what is the important question? What's your prediction?
1: Um, I'm gonna go. Let's see here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Thirty-five. Uh, Thirty-five. Thirty-one. Oregon. Royce Freeman will be my game MVP.
0: Okay, are you ready for this? Yep. I think it's going to be 24 20 TCU. Oh.
1: Straight fire.
0: I think that Trevon Boykin is just. I think he's just too big of a threat. Yeah. I just think that our defense is really gonna struggle with him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's really what it comes down to. Cause their defense has shown up in games. So their yeah. defense has done really well in in the Big Twelve. So Oh speaking of so Baylor, this is this is just another fun fact I heard. So Baylor Has no more quarterbacks They are legitimately Out of quarterbacks Uh, Bryce Petty got injured The backup got injured His backup got injured So now they have A legit wildcat quarterback He only runs the ball And will throw it occasionally Like five times Mm -hmm. Guess his name
1: I'm I'm blanking you gotta let, let's hear it.
0: Uh it's
1: like a cat. It's like a wild cat. Like a like a bobcat or like a It's it does like a lynx? Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: His name is Lynx Hawthorne.
1: That's amazing.
0: Do you want more amazing, and I'm not making this up. His brother's name is
1: bricks nice
0: but it's not b-r-i-c-k-s
1: is it spelled with an x
0: Lynx is l-y-n-x bricks is b-r-i-x
1: nice x there are two x's oh
0: my god there are two x's it's lynx hawthorne's brother he has two x's in his name
1: oh that's amazing
0: that's fantastic That's my favorite name in college football. Actually, I think yeah, so Bricks Hawthorne is a safety for the Texas State Bobcats. Maybe Lynx Hawthorne should have been should have gone to the Bobcats. God, his parents are the real MVP. <laughs>
1: great name. Great That's name. So fantastic. Both of those names are so great. So uh shame, shameless plugs as we as we close out we'll have uh some good game preview coverage all week leading up and then be sure to also check out uh TCU's side of the blog frogs of war which is a fantastic name um i've been reading through a couple of their previews and they got some good stuff over there too so
0: yeah oh uh my quarterback article's up. Read that. Boy, can the terrifying and Adams the Escape Artist ten out of ten. Would recommend.
1: Wrote it late last night. It's it's live on the site. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's all over. Yeah. Get in get in some reading. Be yeah. educated about the game. And uh, should be a good one.
0: Games are a lot more fun when you know what's going on. They really are. Yeah. So I'm excited. All right. Well, that'll do it for us at Hamsterdam. We won an hour. This is this is a lot of quack.
1: It was a lot of quack. We we, we had, had to catch quack. up on some quack.
0: Yeah. So, brief uh, brief turn down with winter break and Oregon athletics basically on hiatus except for basketball. But uh, yeah, it's great. Oh, and uh, the receivers coach, Lubbock, is the offensive coordinator.
1: There we game. go.
0: Totally forgot to even talk about that. Yeah, so he's the offensive coordinator, um, and I think he will be next year. He'll be the yeah. offensive coordinator next year. So, All right, well, that'll do it for us at Amsterdam. Thank you uh, for stopping by, and we will see you guys again next week.